0: i it out louder than before Let the whole earth sing Oh, you sound great The whole earth sing Let's sing it's a song It's a song of praise Redeemed. Let the whole earth sing The whole earth sing Let's sing that hallelujah one more time One
1: Mark. Would you take a second? Would you stand up around you? People are still coming in. Would you uh, take, make a two-minute party out of it? Greet somebody, hug their neck. We'll get started in a second.
0: Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
1: Good morning, everybody. You can be seated now. I want to introduce you to a new friend of mine. Her name is Hope Poison. <laughs> This is Hope. Her actual name is Hope Polson, but for, in our prayer guide this week, we have you praying for Hope Poison, and anybody by that name needs lots of prayer. So if you see That's her, hilarious. would you tell her we know her name is Polson, and we'll still pray for her anyway. <laughs> Thanks for being a good sport. All right. Good morning. Woo! That was scary. Good morning. You, you noticed that leading worship this morning is not Chad Jackson, but Warren Jackson. Warren, good to be home. Warren and his wife run Clear Ministry, as many of you know, and we have had a relationship with them since a long time, yes. before my time here. And uh, Clear is a ministry that Disciples College kids, uh, by getting them involved in ministry over summers, and there's so much more to it than that. They now run um, the camp, mm-hmm. Bethany, well, it, yes. right on the edge of Louisiana, and we've, we've been going there Long time with our preteen camp and we're excited to have, them. They, they don't do a lot of VBSs, but they come up every year as part of, I think it's part of their training a little bit, yep. they come up and they run our VBS and we, we assist them. And that starts tomorrow morning. They drove up from camp today to be with us and lead us in worship and prepare. This place, I got to tell you, this place will be transformed. It is a blast. Having said that, I'm going to have Alicia come up in just a moment. Why don't you come on up, Alicia? But I want to say Wednesday night is a family night here, and uh, so we're inviting everybody. She'll talk about that in a moment. But if you don't have kids or grandkids at VBS, you should still come. Come and make people feel welcome because you need to see what's going on and what God does uh, through that. But Alicia, why don't you come and uh, share?
2: Good morning. Good morning. We are super excited about the most, in children and preschool ministry, the most important week of our calendar year is bible school so we are like uh, pastor mark said so excited to have clear with us again serving and leading in our afternoon which is our kinder through fifth grade bible school casey Carnley and her team uh, have done an amazing job in getting ready for our preschool bible school which it's not too late if you still want to volunteer there's spots available we can use you uh, if you haven't signed your kid up yet it's not too late you can do that online or do that there at our uh, children's ministry table So um, it is something that we totally roll out the red carpet and it's all hands on deck. So we appreciate all of the adult Bible study classes that are helping to provide meals for CLEAR, for people pitching in and serving snacks, doing all kinds of stuff. So the most important thing you can do, though, is pray. Which seems like, oh, just just pray. No, that is the work, is prayer. Without the Holy Spirit guiding and energizing and leading, then we might as well just head for the house. Why are we here if God is not present with us? So the, there's a prayer guide for you here within your worship guide, which if you've got that, you can take that out. So it's um, here with a little praying hand dude on the back. So this is our clear staff team. And then, of course, there's so many Carpenter's Way volunteers. Please be in prayer for. In fact, Lynn Prothrow and his prayer team The last several years, he's come up here and prayer walked, and we've had a prayer time each morning while Bible school's going on. So we're going to continue that this year. But if your work schedule doesn't allow you to come, then you pray where you are. Um, All the fun stuff on the flip side of this, of course we do crazy fun theme stuff. Crazy hair day, yes, is still part of Bible school. So follow that for your kids and grandkids. Um, today, immediately after worship, in order to help prepare our room, we need lots of muscles, lots of people to help move the side chairs and we'll stack them against the wall. And you see that note in your guide. Uh, also, family night, y'all, there's a lot. There's a lot I'm sharing, so bear with me. Wednesday night is our family night, which we just want to let our parents, our kids come. They're going to sing, they'll perform. We serve them free food. Hey, you can't beat suppers on us. So, y'all just come on out and, and help our parents and our families to feel welcome. Many do not attend Carpenter's Way, and this is a great way to assimilate them into our church. And so, as an outreach to them, I think that's all I've got right now, Pastor. That is, which was a lot. Thank y'all so much.
1: All right, so all that information is in the worship guide. If you are uh, if you are not friends with us on Facebook, make sure you do because we'll be putting this stuff on as the week goes on. But pray, 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 especially for Hope Poison, but pray for each <laughs> and every one of these people. By, actually, we should pray for the people around Hope Poison. Um, well, I'm just kidding. The what's... problem is I'm going to be talking about this all week. That's all I'm going to think about is Hope Poison. But, uh, man, you know, um, y- you all know what I'm going to tell you to be true we have a lot of people that come in here that are homeless, that are looking for help, that haven't been in church in 30 years. And most of them, I mean, like, like, I want to say every one of them, but most of them have a story about how they accepted Christ. That's part of the manipulative tool. They'll say, I was, you know, I'm a Christian. I grew up in church. I went to VBS and got saved. And I believe that. I believe that most people, even unchurched, went to VBS at some point and met Jesus Christ. And so this is so important. It's, it's um, man... Along with you know our, our, our Christmas thing that we do uh, with Samaritan's Purse, this is the most significant evangelism week of the year we have. Please be praying, please, 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 because um, hundred years from now, uh, all that will matter is what we did with Jesus Christ. And this team does a phenomenal job. But I, I want to uh, in, in presenting the gospel, and uh, Casey's team. But I do want to I do want to mention one more thing. Would you please pray for these black-shirted young people? They are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today, and they are being poured into. Uh, you guys know the statistics. Most kids who graduate from high school, grew up in the church, don't go back to church for many, many years. Um, and that's, this is the antidote to that, and uh, we, we partner with them in that. It helps them and us, so please be praying for them as well. So anything you want to add to that, Warren?
0: That was great. Oh,
1: you yeah. do a great job. I might have been doing well, thank you. Thank you, Warren. I like you too. Nice shirt, Warren.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Nice jacket.
1: Do you like my jacket? I knew you were going to say that. Okay. Would you open your worship guides for just a second? I have a couple things while Warren and I encourage each other, a couple things to highlight. Um, You know that High School Adventure Camp is coming up in Colorado, and so Jeff wanted me to remind you if you have a kid going, there is a parent meeting at 11 o'clock. Immediately following our time here in the student center uh, to get your paperwork signed and all that stuff. So please go and take a few minutes. Uh, Jeff, anything else I need to add to that? Okay, so 11 o'clock, that's right after this time, right after communion. Alicia already mentioned that the sides need to be picked up, and we will stack them against the wall. The middle stays, right? Is that, is that right? Correct. Okay. Correct. So, uh, if guys, if you can help us do that after. Um, I think that pretty much hits the announcements I want to make. Please be praying for each other. There's a prayer guide in there for not just VBS, for each other. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time uh, to prepare for our offering. If you attend here regularly, this is part of our worship. If you don't, just pass the plays that comes by. We're just glad you're here. We don't want you distracted by money. Um, God provides for us. We support missions and everything else. It's so good to be home. You know what's uh, one of the coolest things about being part of of this church is we always look forward to coming home. So let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, thank you for um, your son. Thank you for the gift of the church. Thank you, Father, that uh, Carpenter's Way is not the only church, just a piece of the church, but you are universally working across the globe right now. and We know we have brothers and sisters in China gathering on this Sunday, on this Pentecost Sunday, to, to celebrate the birth of the church, to reflect on the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for churches in this community that are preaching the word, and I, I pray for and Assembly this morning, that you would bless them, and, and uh, Father, for Southside Baptists, that you would bless them. and Lord Jesus, may we lift you up. May we lift up your word. May we work, Father, as the family of God in different locations to to glorify you. I think of the churches that are represented by these young men and women and the staff that will be with us this week. Bless those churches as some of their folks are gone and serving you. And we got lots of folks on vacation. Keep them safe, Father. Thank you that they can get away with their families. um, But, Lord Jesus, we ask you this morning that you would speak to those of us in this room, those of us logged on online that are watching, Lord, minister to our hearts. Teach us the truth, Father. There's so many things that are half-truths, and I pray that you would bless us with that this morning. Father, as we give, uh, continue our worship by giving uh, of our finances, Lord, um, we will be careful to spend them in a way that glorifies you, but uh, we just thank you for how you provided for us these uh, these years and and know you'll continue to. So I pray now that we turn our eyes away from the business of church and now to the, to the business of worshiping the, the, the Lord of the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Before he spoke creation, the God of heaven knew our name. creation we are his glory on display heart is good he is always kind with a cross he proved he is on our side we are the sons we Daughters of God No matter where we go We're close to the Father's heart And though we stumble He will not let us fall We are the Lord's And He will never forsake His own Love he lavished on us and called us children of the King. And in his loving kindness he chose the lowly and the weak. In his heart is good. In his heart is good. He is always kind, with the cross He proved, He is on our side. We are the sons, we are the sons, we are the daughters of God. Sake his own we are the sons we are the daughters of God this is so much true in our lives that sometimes the, the lies speak louder than the truth amen catch this part it goes like this when the lies speak louder than Remind me I belong to you And when I can't see Past the dark of nights Remind me You're always by my side And when the lies speak louder than the truth Remind me belong to you, and when I can't see past the dark of night, remind me you're always by my side, you're by my side, we are the sons, we are the daughters of God, And though we stumble, he will not let us fall. We are the Lord's and he will never forsake his own. Amen. And that encouraging together. Let's stand together and let's sing this hymn together. Blessed assurance. Here we go. Blessed assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is my. caught you with that Baptist tag. You know what I'm saying? That's the Baptist tag. You got to do it three times at the end. (laughs) Let's sing this together. A special day of communion together. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself Carry the cross Love so amazing body the bread. Let's sing together. His body the bread, this blood the wine, broken and poured out Let's just sing this chorus together before a pastor comes. Mm. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour. Every hour.
1: She disappeared, where is she? She left. That's what happens when you make fun of her name. So good to be back. Three weeks out of the pulpit is just about long enough for a guy who has a lot to say. Uh, We had a blast. We were in Ohio for a family wedding that I was able to perform, and uh, we spent some time in Amish Country. And if you don't know what that is, Julie would love to talk to you about that. It is a fascinating place. And then we went to Franklin, Tennessee for a few days. Uh, Anna was with us for the first week, and then we put her on a plane, and we spent a week vacationing alone for the first time. And uh, Julie found out what a great guy she married. <laughs> I don't know why you laughed. That was the first thing I said this morning that wasn't funny. But, uh, but we, had a, we had a good time, and we ended up in, and I know we uh, took pictures and put them on Facebook and stuff, but we ended up in Laurel, Mississippi, um, because there's an HGTV. Is somebody from there? You just wait, You just so, it's just really seriously. So okay. Well, it was the southern part of the United States. You guys are you guys are weird when they say California. Yeah, anyway, we went to Laurel, Mississippi, which is the home of a show that Julie likes an awful lot from on HGTV, and uh, we went door to door to try to meet the stars. And they were not there, but we had, uh, we had a good time. We had a, a really, really nice time. And uh, what's really, really, really wonderful about being part of Carpenter's Way is you look forward to coming home. And uh, you, you, it, it, it's just a, that's just a blessing for a pastor. There's a lot of pastors who can hardly wait to get away. And uh, we love coming home. And um, thanks for making life like that. Thank you for valuing our relationship and letting us take vacations. Um, as you know, family is pretty important to me. I talk about it all the time. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's a God thing because that was God's intended plan is to make us family. I, I, uh, there's, there's a lot of confusion over what this thing is that we do, and um, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, as, our kids, as our kids have gotten older, and you know now we don't have any kids living within our home, um, it is quite an adjustment to go from being guardian, leader, protector, to coach. And that is a hard transition, not so much for the kids, but for the parents. Because you really, 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 really don't want to micromanage their lives. And so when they make decisions, and you know, when you have years of experience, you have wiser decisions. I know the world laughs at that. But I just want you to know that if you are a parent, you're smarter than your kids. Sorry. Just plug your ears. The truth is that we learn from our mistakes as well as other stuff, right? So no matter how many times Dizzy puts a, me- a me- movie out that ends with, I'm just trying to be a good parent, you're still smarter than your kids, but the problem is, is that God is smarter than us and he lets us make mistakes, and that's a hard adjustment to make as a parent of an adult, okay? It's just, it, and I'm not saying my kids are making mistakes, but you're afraid they're going to now, I'm, I'm overspeaking this. So our solution has been that every four to six weeks, as long as everybody's in proximity, that... Anna and Zach and Hannah, our newest Wilkie family, and Julie and I will meet over at dinner table. We'll, we'll look across the table. We'll look in each other's eyes. Because family is a default point of life. Uh, when you get together over dinner, it's not the food. It's, um, it's reminding each other what really matters. It's reminding each other. It's, 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 it's gathering to talk about the value system that we have. Otherwise, life gets um, confusing, overwhelming, perplexing. And it's good to get away with your family, despite the struggles, despite the stuff, and just talk across the table. And uh, so we have decided to do that. And uh, so every four to six weeks, we get together to do that because our family is our home team. Um, There may be a day where you fire me. My family will not. That's important. That is important. There will be a day when one of them gets fired. We will not. We will stand together. We will pray for each other. We will encourage each other. We are a home team. It's our safety net. It's the default place where we gather to reset our brains and our hearts and remind each other of what is of most importance and what's true. Because there's a lot of non-truths out there. And it's perplexing and confusing. The dinner table is where we have what I call a table talk. It's where we sit down, and, and, and it's not that we agree on everything or that Julie and I lord it over. It's where we disagree, but we disagree in an agreeable way based on a certain sets of customs and cultures that we have as a family and truths, and we decide how to keep going for the next four weeks till we meet again. That's what we do. Those of us who kids aren't in our home, I encourage you to do that. Find that time. But I think that the church doesn't value that as a family. I don't know if you realize that every song that Warren led us in this morning was hopeful and positive, encouraging. But i got to tell you, if you don't know Jesus, none of it counts for you. I mean, we can sing all day about how good God is, but, and, but, and Scripture says the rain falls on the wicked and the righteous alike, but hope belongs to his children. And uh, over the last few weeks, one of the problems with going on vacation is it gives me a time to close my, close my mouth and open my mind, and I think a lot, and I usually come back from vacation with an awful lot I want to share with you, and this is one of those moments as we prepare for communion. I, I want to show you a picture that I took in Amish country just a couple weeks ago. Some of you may have seen it online um, that, is a, uh, that is an Amish store that's in the middle of Amish country. Uh, and uh, Amish world is not like Disneyland. It's a real deal. I mean, they, they live, the, the, to make a long story short, the Amish are uh, consider themselves to be Christians. They would say if you sat with an Amish man or woman and they would talk to you, they would tell you that they believe is, is that salvation is through faith in Christ. Uh, but once you join the Amish, believing that with them, if you leave the Amish way of living, they believe that you're going to hell. So uh, practically speaking, their theology doesn't match, like many of us, doesn't match their practicality. But uh, you know the Amish probably because you see them with the white hats on, the ladies, they ride in carts, because they don't believe in that. Um, It's not that they believe that's a sin, it's that they believe that God deals with the humble and he blesses the humble, so we live in a humble way. It's really, really funny, but their view of humility, and they're not watching because they don't have TVs, so I can say this, but their view of spiritual health is actually not living like what they call the English, those that are not Amish, but they try to get as close as they can. For instance, they can have engines powered by batteries and stuff. So basically, you can't have an affair, but you can't hang out at a strip club. So that's basically the theology of the Amish. You can laugh at that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. This is a table talk, and it's a family. I'll give you a case in point. This is is the scene outside of an Amish store. This is a store that prides itself on training people to live off the grid if you are in English, because there's a lot of money to be made. You go to Amish country, and you go, oh, that's so romantic. I can live by like Andy Griffith. That's not true, but, but they sell the same. It's really weird. When you go in, you can find wash machines and stoves that work exactly like the one in your house, only they're run off propane, or they're run off of battery power. They can't have the same things functioning the same ways ours do, but they try to live like us as much as possible while claiming and selling simplicity. Uh, This is a case in point. You're looking at the front of a store, of an Amish store, where they shop to get their equipment. Does anybody see a problem with that? Yeah, you've got a truck in front of it and a gas, uh, a gas man. Very good. So this is really building up to what I want to talk with you in our table talk this morning about. Um, I I want you to also, as a person who would like that, you look at that and it is beautiful. That really isn't the store. It's the front of the store. It's a set. For instance, that truck right there, if I had, uh, and I I didn't take a picture under it because I thought it would upset them. But the truth is that truck is in fact a truck. It's a real truck. It's a beautiful truck. It's a partially restored truck. It has no engine. And in fact, if you look underneath the truck, it has old jacks under it the mechanics use if the truck falls off of the jack that they've lifted it with so that it doesn't fall on the ground. So that truck you are looking at right there actually has no engine and no suspension. It can't function as a truck. It just is a truck. It's a nice truck, but it's a lie. Actually, that gas tank is not connected to anything. It is a real restored gas pump except the only connection to anything is the bolts in the ground so somebody won't steal it. It does not pump fuel. It just looks like it pumps fuel. What you are looking at is a beautiful scene that I thought enough of to take a picture of. And we stood in front of it and took pictures of ourselves and selfies. There's even a mannequin man in there that's an Englishman. And he's sitting in that car. But it is a lie like Disneyland. Now, I don't mean lies and lie. I mean, it's just not the truth. You know, I love Disneyland. And people pay to actually go in the back lot. They go to see the other stuff. Why would you want to do that? You know what you're going to find in the back lot of Disneyland? Mickey Mouse smoking. I don't want to see Mickey Mouse smoking. I want the facade. I want to go to Disney. I remember Disneyland, and and this will shock some of you. Actually, it won't because I'm old now. But I remember when Disneyland was one place in LA. And my dad, as a member of a union, got us uh, discount passes to it. It was part of their union thing. But at that point, Main Street Disney was free to go into. You didn't pay to go to Disneyland. You paid for a book of tickets to ride rides. And the better rides, like the Matterhorn, you paid for an e-ticket. My family to this day, when you get a weird road you drive on, we go, oh, it's an e-ticket ride. Because as kids, when we would go to Disneyland, Main Street with the guys with straw hats playing in the bands, they function to get you into the stores to buy their overpriced chocolate. That's what they did. They made money off of that, but they have found a better way. Now you go in and you pay for a complete experience. But the truth is, it's not a real experience. It's just a day. It's a feeling. It's romantic. It looks great. It's like It's like Andy Griffith's show. I watch it all the time, but I watch it because sometimes I get sick of NCIS. (laughs) I like NCIS, but you know, every once in a while I want to put the dead people away and I want Andy and Opie to figure out why that bike shouldn't be written because he sassed his dad. there's There's a fantasy. We like fantasy. But boy, when it comes to truth, we can't live that. And there are some things out there there are things that are being said out there um, that are simply not true. And we, as the children of God, are the harbingers of truth. And we've got to remember this. For instance, the gospel is the gospel. And it's the whole gospel. And I, This morning, awesome worship, Warren. But you know, if you don't know the gospel, it's awesome worship for everybody. But I want to be clear. That's only awesome worship, really, except the experience for those that are the children of God. Um, Les, you ready for a hand grenade? Yes. All right, here we go. Les has been telling me that when I came to Carpenter's Way, I threw a lot more hand grenades and watched them blow up and kept moving. So I'm going to throw one this morning. I want you to know that it is true that God loves you. But I want you to know that the love of God cannot save you. It will not save you. Let me show you. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That is a love story, Right? It is true that God loves you. It is true that's a truck. But that is not the whole verse. And a truck's exterior isn't the whole vehicle. At some point, you've got to lift the hood and find out what it's made of. The rest of this is this. This is what it says, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that, some of the versions say, whoever believes in him sh- shall not perish but have eternal life. All over the internet right now, it goes, I'm okay because God loves me. And the world is sliding down a slippery slope into believing now I can continue the way I am because God loves me. That's all that matters, God loves me. All that matters is that's a beautiful scene in front of an Amish thing. Oh, if only I had that truck. I should have a truck like that. I make enough money to have a truck like that. I should have a truck like that. You can have a truck like that, but it won't get you across the street. The fact is, God does love you. God loves them, no matter what their sin is, no matter what they do, what they like, what their inclination is. God loves them so much that he gave his only begotten son. But if they choose not to believe in him, they will perish. That's the gospel. That is the rest of the story. In in fact, if we lift the hood, look at Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved there's a conditional word there it says if god loves you that's a truck but that truck won't get you to walmart a half mile away and god's love won't get you church membership that counts unless you confess why am i so passionate about this Because it's really, really important that we of the children of God remember that the world needs to understand we don't hate them, we love them. God doesn't hate them, He loves them. It doesn't matter what on Pride Month. Your sin of choice is, or feeling, or desire. We all have desires that are opposite of God. But if we don't confess them, we're just loved by God as we're condemned by God. And that is missing in much of our rhetoric as we try to reach the lost. We are trying to love them into the love of God, which is a fact whether they accept and confess or not. There's a point at which the gospel has to also proclaim that the love of God for the sinner is not enough to save them. To be saved, one must believe in Jesus enough to confess his lordship over all things, including their spiritual condition. You're God, I'm not. Thank you for loving me. You really do love me so much that you would send your son. Why did he send his son? Not to heal the lost or or to heal people's physical ailments. Yes, he did that, but that was validation of why he was, that he could be trusted. He came to accomplish his father's purpose, and that's to make us the sons and daughters of God that we sang about. Let me be clear. We are not all the children of God. We are all the creation of God. The children of God are not the children of Abraham. Galatians says that. It's not the circumcision of the body, but it's the circumcision of the heart. It is confessing, forgiving, realizing that I'm a sinner in the hands of a just and righteous and holy God and that I need to be forgiven, and it is His love and mercy that draws me to His heart. In other words, to be saved or to be adopted by God you must not only be loved by God, but must also acknowledge that you are falling short of his expectations and he can have them because he's Lord and that if it is only by sending, it is only by sending his son who paid the price for your sin and rose again that you are saved. That is what you believe when you realize that God loves you enough to not want to judge you. That's why he sent Jesus. Jesus. He didn't send Jesus to hang out. He sent Jesus to transform us, to start the process of transformation. Don't worry. I know you know this. I know you know this. And we're going to get to the point I want to make this morning. I thought, well, you're preaching hard. I, I'm not getting any Baptist amen yet today. I'm struggling a little bit. Take a breath. Are you all okay? Yeah. Has there been any heresy yet? No. Okay, good. And if you call me out, I will call you back. Okay, I want to show you something. The last couple weeks, Chad has continued our look at who is this man, right? Jesus. And the story last week, and by the way, if if you are out of town and you don't watch online, it's really cool. We were fellowshipping with you and learning with you as we were away. It was really amazing to watch it. It's a great blessing. And Chad mentioned last week all the people that make that happen. And we we so appreciate all of our technical people that uh, don't get enough attention except when they screw up. And we really appreciate you when you do well as well. But Chad said last week that some of the things that we're going to learn that Jesus says are very hard to hear. Remember he said that? They're very difficult to hear. And in fact, some people might think Jesus is a jerk because he's constantly pushing the bear. He's poking, 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 and there's a reason for that. And as we get deeper into this study, you're going to see why he poked the bear. Because people get comfortable and he wants us to think, 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 think. He wants us to be pushed. He wants us to surrender. But the story that Chad taught us last week out of Mark chapter 2 was about Matthew being called to be a disciple of Jesus. Remember? Matthew was a tax collector and therefore was considered contextually a turncoat turncoat of Judaism. He had abandoned Judaism and he was working for the Romans and that made him hated. And of course the Jews thought he was extremely sinful and all of his friends therefore were sinful. If we take that story, everybody loves that story because we love the idea that Jesus calls to himself the most irreputable, wicked sinner. That's that's true. He loves them. He loves you. But what we often forget is to look under the hood. In fact, Mark 2.14, look at this with me. Look under the hood. As Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, that's Matthew, a son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. All right, so let let me put this in terms. Because to us, a tax collector is not a good person, but... They're not as wicked as they saw them. They saw them really, really wicked. And people love to go, look at Jesus, hanging out with them. I mean, while Levi is taking money at the strip club while people come and go, Jesus goes and talks to him. It's that crazy. Jesus goes and he hangs out with him. And then after Matthew decides to follow him, he has a going-away party for all of his sinful friends. And Jesus actually goes to the party with him. Remember that story? He goes to the party with him. And all the people, and in fact, it's such a great story because... Because the uh, religious leaders come to find out why he's there. And he's in the house with them. And remember, they go to Jesus' disciples. Anybody remember where the disciples were when they were approached by the Pharisees? They were outside of the party. Do you know why they were outside of the party? They wouldn't be dead, caught dead with those people. So even the disciples are on the outside. Jesus is inside with them. And they say, how could your master spend such time with such evil people? Such dirty scum of the earth, it says. That's what this story's about. And we love it, and our culture loves it. Look at Jesus. He hangs out with broken people and messed up people. He absolutely does. But look what he asked of this guy. That's under the hood. Jesus didn't say, I sure like you, Levi. And every time I come through this town, we're going to have lunch because I like you that much. I like hanging out with you, dude. I want to be really close with you. He didn't do that. He said, follow me and be my disciple. What? What? He could have said no. Jesus invited him. And this isn't the only time. Remember when James and John and Peter are fishing? They're they're in the boat. And Jesus walks up to him and says, drop your nets and follow me. They could have said no. Jesus didn't say, I sure like the smell of fish. I like you guys. That's not what he said. I came because my father sent me and I love you. And he loves you and so I'm here to serve him and you. But to be with me you have to be like me. You see, here's the next bomb. Ready? Jesus Christ did not come to keep you as you are, he came to kill that and resurrect you into a new thing. That is not what we're finding on the Facebook memes that everybody's amening today. It is not okay to want Jesus and your flesh. Just can't happen. And, 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 and you need to know that. Not, not because you have a problem with that, but because the world around us, we're selling Christianity to a cheap version of it that looks a lot like that picture. Put that truck back up there. I know I've messed up this message outline, but it's okay. Put that truck back up there. That is a lie. The truck is a lie. It's not going to get you anywhere. That truck is going to sit there for the next 50 years or until a better prop that brings the English in to buy stuff comes along. It's not real. Yes, it's a truck. Yes, Jesus loves you. But it's not enough. If your goal is to have a vehicle that takes you somewhere, if your goal is eternal life or relationship with God, it's not enough that he loves you. There's a response. And that response involves realizing you're a sinner and he's the judge. And the judge loves you so much that he sent his son to take the judge's punishment on himself. And that's what he did on the cross. Second or Corinthians 520, uh, 521 says "He." Uh, became the sinfulness of Mark so that Mark could become the righteousness of God. There's a song that Warren sang today that Chad has let us in, and I always struggle with the wording until I remember the truth of the theology of it. It says, my one defense is my righteousness, and I always go, whoa, whoa, it's not my righteousness, it's God's righteousness, and then I go, and I, I think Julie and I were talking about it one day, or Chad and I, they look a lot alike, but I was, we, were, we were talking once, and it was like, oh, no, no, I, it was Julie. She said, because she said, I kissed her right after, but... Uh, But, but, but it it was uh, what was reminded me is yes, it is my righteousness now. I I want you to know this morning if you if you have confessed your sin and accepted God's offer to forgive you, you are the righteousness of Jesus right now. You are righteous. Well, I looked at porn last night. That's not the point that's why Jesus was punished. I'm not saying you should look at porn. I'm saying you should run from porn. I'm saying you should run from same-sex attraction. You should run from alcohol if it, if it enslaves you. You should run from selfishness or te- whatever keeps you from intimacy with God. Run from those things. But if you have confessed your sin, you are a child of God because he loved you, sinned his son. And please understand, his grace is not free. It cost Jesus everything. Jesus died so that we won't. And as we try to manipulate the world, that is what we're doing, into accepting Jesus, we've turned it into this. He loves you. That's true, but it's only half the story. He loves you enough to send His Son so that if you confess your sins, you can be His kid. Oh. Well, I don't want to do that. You don't have to. Matthew, get up. Follow me. Peter, John, drop your nets. Follow me. Any of them could say no. In fact, This was such a message of Jesus, and we're going to get to it as we keep going, that Jesus was preaching to the disciples, and the crowd was unsettled. And Peter came to him one day, and he said, Master, the crowd is leaving, and uh, and, and the teaching is hard. And this was Jesus' response in Luke 9. It's almost like he looks over Peter, who's concerned about them, and listen to what he says. He He says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, which is what they're struggling with, Hey, you want to be my follower? Yes, we want to be your follower. Well, here's the thing. You must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. What? That's a hard sell. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but yourself are lost or destroyed? You see, nothing is more important than intimacy with God through Jesus Christ. Nothing Nothing gets you in relation with God except confession and accepting his offer to forgive your sin. Then the Father applies the blood of Jesus to your life and you are pure and holy for the rest of your life. Even if you struggle, you will struggle with sin. But that's the gospel, my friends. And Luke 14, a few chapters later, Luke recorded this. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Wow! Take that to San Francisco or Austin, or Lovekin. If you don't think that this is meandering around Lovekin, if you think I'm talking about a liberal insurgence in the church, you aren't paying attention. People mean half-truths all that meme on Facebook. That's those, for those of you who don't know who are over the age of 42, a meme is, and I'm 52 so I can pick on us, but a meme is one of those pictures or a verse that you put online and you only have half the verse that makes you feel good. It is the truck. It's a meme. Remember the good old days when. I mean, I remember my childhood, and they are so warm until I really think about my childhood. I I long to be 14 again with all the knowledge I have right now. Wouldn't it be wonderful where the worst thing in your life was wondering if she or he liked you or not? And then all of a sudden you remember, man, there was a lot going on in my heart. It wasn't that simple, but that's what I remember. You know, when Andy Griffith was being filmed, we have people being shot in Kent State University in Ohio, but that's not in the show because it's a... It's an escape. It's like Disneyland. Terrorists could be bombing New York, and you can be at Disneyland during the day. And you can be feeling good. You're not watching the news. You're unaware. But our job as the children of God is to be aware of this and to make others aware. There is a danger coming that we have the antidote for through God's gift of love, Jesus. According to Jesus, the Father's love for you is not enough. In fact, you wanting Jesus to be in your posse is not enough. To be clear, no matter what we're being told in memes on Facebook or wish were true in our hearts, Jesus did not come to save us and just keep us what we are. He came to transform and change us into his image. While Jesus does love you, he sent his son not to have dinner with you or to just hang out with you because he likes being with you. He sent him to take care of your sin problem. That's why Jesus came. And he did this so that once your sin was removed, And he says this, wait till we get there. I just can't wait, so I'm going ahead. He did this. Jesus said, I have to leave. Remember why he had to leave? Somebody remind me. So the Holy Spirit, somebody greater than me in your life can come. Because the truth was, God didn't save you. Here's another nugget of offense. You were not saved from hell. That is an evangelical lie. You were saved to be adopted. Sin is the cause, it's the problem, it's the cancer. Jesus came to remove that so that what God's real plan to adopt us, to bring us into fellowship with Him, could happen. We have a tendency because of the evangelists of the 1800s, and I'm thankful for them. From Billy Sunday to Billy Graham, thankful for all of them, to D.L. Moody, you know how I feel about that big guy. But the truth is, if the question is just about going to hell, it's not the complete answer. You see, God came so that we wouldn't be condemned, but that wasn't the end. It was so that we could be adopted and in family. We could be family with him. That's Ephesians 1.5. We could become the children of God. That was his unchanging plan. Why does that matter? Because Jesus was step one of a process. Jesus was removing the thing that kept us from being adoptable, and it would be the Holy Spirit that would transform us to make us like the family. You see, our job now in life Your job, teenagers this summer, is not to attract more kids or give them a good camp experience. That's fine, but that's the truck. Your job is to tell them that God, the King of kings, sent Jesus to build a relationship with them that's harbored because of sin. And that is a hard conversation because Satan wants you to feel bad about that. The world says, how can a loving God send people to hell? That's a lie question. The truth is, a loving God redeems people that are hell-bound. And heaven is not the answer. That's not the, that's not, God isn't just going, okay, all right, Mark's going to heaven. If that were the case, he'd have taken me home already. What he wants is intimacy intimacy with me. He wants me to fellowship with him. The salvation, Jesus referred to as being born again, was the beginning of the process that God is doing. And you know that because Philippians 1, 6 says it. Take a breath. That's the gospel, too. You see, the gospel isn't about just heaven and hell. Leave that up there, Kevin. The he- gospel isn't just about heaven and hell. It's actually about being made right by God through Jesus' blood so that he could begin a good work in us. And no good work can't begin until your sin is removed. You see, in Baptist circles, forgive me, in Baptist and probably Assembly of God circles, what we've done is we've made salvation just about hell, just about sin. But actually, salvation was to transform you into Christ's image, to make you His family, to adopt you. That's what this is about. That's why at the moment you're saved, God begins the process of making you like Himself. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, We are calling God a liar and showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. To be an adulterer and claim to be a child of God, put the truck up there again. If you are comfortable in your sin, if you can look at porn and never feel shame, you're like that truck. God loves you. But the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation comes in and begins to change us. Please understand, we're not talking about working your way into the kingdom. We're talking about being born again. I know I'm a sinner and I know you're a savior. I accept your offer to forgive me. Now I'm declared right with God. I am part of his family. And immediately, Ephesians tells me, the Holy Spirit comes in and seals me. And now I'm drawn to him. I'm drawn. He begins to transform me. It doesn't mean that I I change overnight. It means that I begin changing immediately. And, 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 and my fear is as I listen and I look at memes and I, 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 I watch, I hear preachers on TV and I hear Christians talking, we have forgotten to remind people that this is about transformed living. Not you, but through the power of God who lives within us. This car will not get you to Walmart and Jesus' love for you will not get you a personal relationship with God or even get you into heaven. You confess your sins. Preach it, right? Right? How am I doing, poison? Thank you. I got a thumbs up over there. You're a millennial. You're supposed to go, woo. There you go. And I just lost her because I called her millennials. Millennials don't like being called millennials. So none of you are millennials. <laughs> okay. All right, you ready? We're not done. I'm actually getting to the point I wanted to make this morning, and then it'll end real fast. Remember Romans 12, 1 and 2? At Romans, By Romans 12, Paul has explained about the gospel and salvation, just what I taught just now. And then he gets to here, and he says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, because of all that, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the uh, the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God, at the moment of salvation, comes in. God, the Holy Spirit, third member of the Trinity, the one one that we know the least about in the church because we don't talk about him, unless you're charismatic, and then he's the worship leader. And if you're Baptist, he's the one who convicts you of sin, and then we don't know what to do with him. Actually, Jesus said he's gonna be more significant in your life than me, because the goal of Jesus wasn't just to get you into heaven, it was to make you like himself. So they send the Holy Spirit to transform you. He's a greater force in your life. He is the power of the resurrected Christ living within you because you're not good enough. The church wants you to feel good about yourself. God wants you to look in the mirror with reality. Ugly, pretty, talented, no talent, you are loved by God. Black, white, rich, poor, same-sex attraction, opposite-sex attraction, you are loved by God. The good news is he does not want to leave you as you are, though. Because as loved as you are by God, you are offensive to God. So he sent Jesus to take the fence away. But you're still in your flesh offensive to him. So he sent the Holy Spirit to transform you. That was phase two of your salvation. To sanctify you, to make you like himself. And God gave us practical tools to help us be transformed. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 is one of those. All scripture is inspired by God. God breathed is what it means. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God wants to change us, to transform us, to be like Christ. To do that, he sent the Holy Spirit after our sin was removed, and he gave us the word of God. If we will only surrender our lives to him and be in the word, we begin to change. The psalmist wrote, "Thy word have I hid in my heart that I won't sin against you. I'm not at my point yet, so keep breathing, keep going. Nothing I've said so far has shocked any of you. Right, Warren? Okay. How we doing, poison? Thank you. I can't stop, Julie. It's like a thing. I said I'd have a problem with it all day. All right. Here's the burr in my saddle, as you Texans like to say. There is a concept today in the church that you don't need the church. It's a truck. It's a lie. You see, not only did God give you the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Well, look at Ephesians four. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church: apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to their responsibility. Here's their job: is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body to fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So on the internet today, or in funerals today, or in conversations with people, you may ask, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Why, yes, I got saved at VBS when I was 14. Oh, really, what church do you belong to? Oh, I don't need church. I find churches hypocritical and, and, uh, you know, distracting. So I just stay home and worship. I just want you to know that according to Ephesians chapter 4, that's a lie. That's that. You may be saved, but that's not dropping your net. The truth is god birthed the church he gave us the word of god we have the holy spirit god is the holy spirit living within us he gave us his word but he gave us church to grow us up and because through the years pastors have made the mistake that adult parents of adults do at times you see if you are the parents of an adult and this is what i'm learning if you make the mistake of trying to, to, to parent your 30-year-old like you parented them when they were 10, you are a legalist, a helicopter parent, and you will lose your kid. Many pastors are so afraid of you indulging in your flesh, they tell you lies, like don't drink. The Bible never forbids drinking. In fact, there's going to be a lot of drinking in heaven. I'm not saying it's okay or you should do it. I'm simply saying that just saying it's a sin is a lie. It's that. The truth is everything in moderation. You know what also is a sin? Too much chicken at Baptist Potluck. The truth is, where do I fill my gut with? God or me? And God gave us the Word of God, and secondly, the church, so that we're not blown around by every wind of doctrine. And I want to be clear, Satan is neck deep in doctrine of the church today. Especially when it comes to salvation. Your identity is Jesus Christ or it's hellbound. It is not, God made me this way, I struggle with this, therefore I am okay. No, that's not true. Because he came to redeem you from that sin and then change you away from that sin, to draw you away. It doesn't mean you'll stop wanting it. It doesn't mean you'll stop longing for it. It means that you love God more than your flesh. You trust him more than your flesh. That's what it means to believe in God. It means I believe your way is best and you love me so well, I'm going to trust you. The church. The church and its leadership. But not just that. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 talks about something else of the church. It's coming. I can read it to you if it doesn't show up. Here it goes. I'm throwing Kevin way off. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Yeah, we all know that. Next verse. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So God has given us the Holy Spirit to transform us. The Holy Spirit has given us two physical tools in which to do that. Number one, the word of God. Number two, the church. It does it in two ways. The leadership of the church teaches, encourages, and disciples, and points you back to his word, continually telling you the truth whether you want to hear it or not. The second way is you gathering, looking at each other in the face and telling each other the truth, spurring each other on to love and good deeds. I got news for you guys. You joined Clear because you wanted the experience of serving God. You wanted to be discipled by Warren, but there's another thing you need to do, and that is outside of Warren and the adults, and I I say that respectfully, Outside of that leadership, it is to spur each other on. You want the truth of what you should do? You want to learn this summer? Instead of waiting for Warren to walk through the room or the other uh, full-time staff to walk through the room and say, don't forget to love on those kids, because I know that's a prime. We've had multiple people at Carpenters Way go through Clear, and they're all deeply affected by it. You're going to learn how to do ministry, but it's up to you to decide why you do it. He's going to teach you to love these kids when you are tired. When you've got four hours of sleep at camp, it's 150 degrees and it's raining the whole time. And he gets up there and he says, rain is not an obstacle, it's a... That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I've been on camp staff. It is an obstacle to every dream I ever had. You guys know it. And if it wasn't, you wouldn't have that new mud pit at camp. The truth is that... It is is not an obstacle if your goal is to disciple those children. In fact, God will use it if you have to sit in that rat hole with a bunch of ants and kids and spend the afternoon going, what are we going to talk about, Warren? And Warren's going to say, I don't care. Talk to him. Because that kid, after about an hour, may pour out his heart to you about what's really going on inside. You see, if your goal is to make a good event for kids, you can do that with your eyes closed. We don't even need saved people to do that. But your job is to tell people that they are not just loved by God. God doesn't want to leave them as they are. I'm too fat. And instead of saying, no, you're not, you say, God loves fat people. My nose is too big. God loves oversized-nosed people. You're too much thinking about yourself. I want to go to a church that if you say that, your eyes are not on God, it's on you. You can go on the internet and find 50 sites that will tell you how to find a good church, and most of the points they make are about how you feel. If you're watching on the internet, and we have a large congregation of people that watch on the internet because they don't want to go to church again, how dare you fix us? You are the church if you're a child of God. Well, I don't need the church. Not if you don't want to grow, you don't. But if your goal is to be like Christ, you've got to be a part of the church. That's a tool he gave you. That's like, putting, that's like us deciding to fix that vehicle and put half an engine in it. All I need is an engine. Well, i got news. The suspension is a mess. We don't need a suspension. Yes, you do. You need an engine. You need a suspension. You need a healthy, whatever. We can go on. I'm I'm not a mechanic. You need the whole thing. As you pray this week, and we tire you out, pray that you'll have the mind of Christ. I know that that's not a sexy prayer. It's not as good as, you know, dear Lord, save 50 kids. I I want 50 kids saved this week. But God loves you as much as he loves those kids that are going to be here this week. He brought you to clear, not just for the kids you're going to meet this summer, the hundreds of kids. He brought you to clear for you. Because you know what? The church has forgotten this, and it's your job to remind us again. This is real. Sin kills, and God's love doesn't solve that unless we acknowledge that sin kills. Your generation has to remind the church that Jesus Christ does not accept you as a sinner. He accepts you as a repentance sinner. Agreed? Church, I know you don't want to break up your friendships. But letting a person go go to hell while thinking they're okay is, is not okay. Clear. Christians struggle with the same sins unbelievers do. But I believe a big reason for that is they don't understand that Jesus Christ came not just to get them to heaven, but actually make them like Jesus. You see, being born again is the starting of the process. Now as we surrender, we become like Christ. Through the power of the resurrected God, The one who resurrected him lives within us and he's transforming us. And now we get into his word and I know it feels boring. Did that Baptist preacher just say the Bible is boring? I don't think it's boring. I'm kidding. Some of it is. Leviticus is rough. But for those of us who are reading through the Bible this year, something happened when we got done with Leviticus. We went, how could anybody keep these rules? And the Holy Spirit reminded you that's exactly what Romans says. The purpose of the law is to show you that you can't be made right with God through the law. And you went, oh, that's why Jesus came. It's better to be us than them. If it didn't happen, I'm telling you now. Read the word. Know God through his word. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Let him transform you and invest in the church. But what do I do when I get there? you got two choices. You can be a taker, or you can be a giver. And both are necessary. And every one of us have played both roles. I know you thought I was going to dog the taker, but there are points in our lives where we need to be fed. That's why you go to Bible study. And one day God will raise you up to feed somebody who's hungry or whatever. You give financially. That's part of what we do. Ready for the third Hand grenade less? Just because you attend church doesn't make you part of the body. And I don't mean part of the family of God. I'm talking about the local church. If all you do is sit in here, you're not really involved in body life. Giving, serving, whether it's picking up chairs after a service or vacuuming a hall or asking Alicia, what I, Alicia, she's over there by poison, uh, asking Alicia what I can do to serve or asking Jeff, how can I pray for you You go to camp? or whatever. There's plenty to do around here. We just had somebody build a roof onto a storage unit in the back. You didn't know about it because he didn't want us to hail him as the next second coming or third coming. We serve. We make this building awesome so that people come in and aren't distracted. We clean up on Friday. What time? 4.30 on Friday. We got to rebuild this into our boring church. It's going to be awesome. You want to serve the Lord? Take Friday afternoon off, come up at 4.30 and help us vacuum this place. No, I don't want to do that. There's fishing to be done. Then don't complain. But that's body life. That's what we do. There. Are, okay. Time for communion. Have I made my point? Yeah, that means be quiet, Pastor. We got it. I'm going to ask our elders to come up to prepare for communion. And you know the reason we take communion is not because we like grape juice and crackers. It's not why we do this. We take communion... Because when we hear messages like this and we think on these things, we are reminded that Jesus already did exactly what we're talking about. You, thought it, you think it was fun for him to die on the cross? Reread the story. You think that being misunderstood by the disciples was a joy to him? Absolutely not. That's not how this played out. Isaiah called him a man of many sorrows. His life was tough, a tough 33 years. And then he's killed by the people he loved. If he would do that for us, Will we not do that for him? I don't like the dying thing. Then you're holding on too tight. Me too. Us. Me too. We're holding on too tight. We want that. Everybody in this room. we, We want that. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And greater is he who is in you. That's not Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have within you everything you need for godliness. That's what scripture says. Everything you need. You don't need anything else. But you've got to be reminded of that. So we gather. And we spur each other on. And we get in the word together. And then we go home. That's why we take Communion because it's exactly what Jesus did. 33 years. He took a deep breath and served his Father. Philippians 2 says he set aside all of the rights as God to become in the form of a servant, to be willing to die, even death on a cross. If he did that for us, we can do this for him. Lord Jesus, everybody in this room who knows you, has the Holy Spirit within them is going to hear from you right now. Tell them where they're living a fake truck life. I pray that you'll look under the hood right now and reveal to us what needs to be surrendered and remind us that you did it first. In Jesus' name, amen. As the elders pass these out, uh, I'm going to give you time just to talk to the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and this is for believers. If you're not a child of God, just don't take. Just pass. If you're a child of God and you're living in sin, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Thank him for his grace. Get back in the game. You have the Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to let him speak to you. Father God, speak to your children. I'll tell you why this message is so passionate for me, because I struggle with worry. I've told you that before. And that's sin. That's sin just like porn or anything else, just so you know. It's holding on too tight. If you don't realize that God's desire is to transform you, then difficulty is a problem. Potential difficulty is scary. But if you realize that the sovereign one loves you enough To transform you, then the things that scare you with anxiety, (laughs) that's the process by which he may remind you that he's in charge. If your goal is his goal, to become like him, then the things that terrify you all of a sudden become part of the process. God did not bring you to camp to, to, to clear the summer, to make a thousand believers. That may be the result, but he brought you this summer to change you. The problem with being a teacher, and some of you have been on staff for years, is in about four weeks, you're going to forget that this is for you too. As a pastor, I forget it all the time. I'm so busy preaching it. Don't you forget, he loves you enough, every one of you, to take you out of your comfort zone, to take Warren, to work your rear ends off for him. And at some point this summer, you're going to want to break the rules. You're going to think the rules are dumb. You're going to want to sneak a phone call. That's how this works. And it's at that moment you're going to find out why you came. That's, right. That's when you find out. And, and don't get me wrong. The temptation is good. It's normal. It's actually helpful because then you decide why you're there. And you're supposed to decide that. Remember, you're here for the king. And the king put the governor in charge, whether you like him or not. Submit yourself to the king by way of the governor, and he won't know what really goes on, but you will. So have the courage to spur each other on to loving good deeds. That is what the church does. It's not what the church does. It's what the church is supposed to do. Like you, I want Carpenter's Way to be the best church in the whole world. When we get to heaven, I want a picture of our church right there on the entrance gate with a big picture of Julie and I right next to it. (laughs) Actually, you know what I really want? The same thing you do. I just want to be a church that loves and serves God. The only way that's going to happen is not by better preaching or better music. It's going to happen when every one of us in this room say, okay. Seriously, not okay, I'll do this, but okay. So Lord, to that, we, say, we look at this bread and we're reminded that you said okay to your father and you were willing to have your body broken for us. And so this morning, your children say to you, okay, we are going to allow our bodies to be broken for you. Give us the courage and the strength and the trust to do just that. In Jesus' name. So while the grape juice is being passed out, let me explain what this is for those of you who don't know. What we're doing here is as children of God, we're encouraged to do this often. And we do this to remind us what Jesus did for us because we forget that it's all about him. We start thinking it's all about the church and ourselves. So I want to say this. This bread is the picture of Jesus' body being broken. He hung out for 33 years, endured a lot, but he did it so that this could happen. The Bible tells us that it's through the shedding of blood that there's forgiveness of sin. And you and I have been invited to have our sin forgiven by God through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, everything else I said doesn't matter to you right now. All that matters is today could be the day of salvation. Accept him. How do I do that? Like you accept a Christmas gift. Just tell him you know you're a sinner and he's the only one that can save you and you're thankful for sending Jesus out of his love, and you confess your sin. It's all. And the Holy Spirit will come in, and the Word of God will come alive, and you will be part of all of this. In all of its glory and beauty and dysfunction, you'll be part of the church. So we invite you to join us today. To the rest of you, the Holy Spirit who lives within you is showing you areas of your life where you need to change. I know that because he's showing me so stop fighting and respond right now. Take a moment. Where lead
0: me, I will follow. Where you lead me, I
1: to be melodramatic for a second. Yesterday, as the elders were preparing to serve communion this morning, there were some of the most ridiculous text messages going around this group. They are the silliest group of men you've ever been led by. But they are the most godly group of people I've ever served with. When I was uh, coming home, I'd die with you. The church to me, not Carpenter's Way, but in general has become, I've told some of you in private, I I don't know where I'd attend. I'd attend here. Not that we're greater or you're better. I, I just believe in your heart. Let's give it all to him now. Let's go one more step. Let's surrender one more level. Let's tell him where you lead, I'll follow. What if he leads off a cliff? Can we go what a way to go Lord Jesus thank you for being led off a cliff for us Father may our goal not be heaven but to be like you that's going to take living selflessly if it's just heaven we can go on and live our own life until we die but Father it's transformation it's to be made like your son that's gonna take surrender. So we surrender. We surrender. In Jesus' name, we surrender. Amen. 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 All right. That's this morning's service. But now it begins, right? That's right. A lot gonna go on. Bible study is going to start in about 10 minutes. I'm going to ask the elders to go to doors so that we can take a benevolence offering. Sometimes people in our church family have difficulty financially and we help each other out. It's another thing we do. If you're able to give to that, you may. Um, I'm a little bit sexist, so I'm going to ask some men to help us with the side. Ladies, if you want to jump right in there, jump in. Just this side, just that side, leave the middle. We stack them, what, six high, something like that? And we move them against the wall. Uh, There's a meeting in the student room uh, to fill out paperwork if you have kids going to summer camp. All of us need to be praying for these men and women, for this man, for Alicia, for her team. And 4.30 Friday, if you want to come help us clean up, Wednesday night, if you don't have anybody coming to VBS, your responsibility is to come and make those coming to VBS to feel at home. So come hug some necks and eat a hot dog. and We got to show them where the bathroom is anyway because it's a mess. We love you, Lord. Thank you, guys. God bless you.